Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. I hope you hear I'll survived it. Well, today I'm only speaking to Gavin Turk. Now, I'm well aware that Gavin's work will mean something to a fair few of you, but both him and his work mean quite a lot to me. If you're a long-time listener, you'd have heard me often mention the letters I wrote to the YBAs back in about 1997. Well, Gavin was amongst those, and from that batch, he was the second to reply. When I put my first face value exhibition together, he was one of the first to be a part of that. And likewise, when I started this podcast back in 2018, he was one of the first I asked then as well. And although he agreed back then, for whatever reasons, it's only just happened. And on top of all of that, for 25 years, he's been one of my main influences. Well, at the moment, a sculpture of Gavin Turk, by Gavin Turk, is a part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Trail, namely on top of the Coronet Theatre at Notting Hill Gate. And as I've also mentioned before, the artwork within this art trail is as diverse as the people in the borough. And a free public art trail at world-class quality in some beautiful surroundings, I don't think it can be beat, right? And if you're unable to walk around the borough, they've got an art bus. Yep, an art bus. And as well as talking about his work on the Kensington and Chelsea Art Trail, we start by speaking about me reaching out from within a prison cell to the YBAs, how art can absolutely change lives and why it's not used enough in prisons. And we go on to speak about his famous plaque and how a failure can be the making of you. Well, anyway, I hope this episode doesn't come over a little bit too fanboy from my corner. So please, come and join me in the studio of Mr. Gavin Turk. And I noticed that on the bottom of the ones to the men, there was a bit I didn't put. So the women, I put an adage and it said, if it's any consolation, my offence was neither violent or sexual. As if that's going to make any difference from... You know, I could have been some psycho in jail, couldn't I, you know? <laughs> Not that it's going to make any difference. It, but it was interesting that you only wrote that on the women's ones. Yeah. Not on the mine. No, I wouldn't have done that if it was me today. That, I, I may have either on, done it to everyone or yeah. wouldn't have written anything. Yeah. Like you're writing to people from being in the institution and not and, and not being able to go and see them or do it or phone them or anything... But then it's quite a big leap. It's quite an introduction because you're just talking to people, trying to speak to people yeah. that you've just got an idea about. Well, I didn't even have that from the from the initial letters that I sent. Because wasn't it just about books? When, wasn't you initially inquiry about getting a hold yeah, of a book or something I'd for the spent, library? Yeah, I no, it was for me. Yeah. But I'd seen sensations. I thought conceptual art was just 
anyone can do it, you know, as, as many people do. I think it is. That's not art, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not art, anyone can do it. Then one of the artworks in there completely sort of gobsmacked me, made me look at that conceptual art in a different way. Okay. And then... No, but it's interesting because people always say, like, oh, was there a time when you, you know, when you decided you wanted to be an artist? And, um... I, n- I don't remember any t- I don't remember any moment like that I I kind of it was a bit like becoming addicted to smoking or something like where you just sort of drift through into yeah. it <laughs> did you have art growing up in the home um did I have art growing up in my house um kind of but not really I, I mean that's a bit of a that's a bit of a squiffy answer because my my dad was a jeweler, like he made jewelry. So, so he and he, when he first kind of got going with the jewelry thing, he was a watchmaker. He was trained as an engineer. He was a watch a watchmaker, fixed watches, and then learnt jewelry techniques um, at in Goldsmiths Goldsmiths College. Um, and then he started work with a guy called Andrew Greamer. And Andrew Greamer was a very... F- and, and he is, at the moment, really, like, fashionable. He's not, he's not alive and he's not mm. currently producing. But, but his art is behind, still... Yeah. His, his, his jewellery is still highly sought after. And my dad went into business with Andrew. And my dad ran the workshop. And then my dad, like, in 1980, left Andrew... And started his own business, and um, and he was he was working doing commission work with like Garrards and Cartier and big big companies, big big jewelry no, brands, mm. known names, um, and and then also just doing like kind of private work for friends and people that he knew, doing commissions for them, and that was a kind of a design process. So he'd sit with someone, they'd come in, their their granny had died. She left them a ring. They didn't like it, but they loved the stones, or they liked the yeah, metal, yeah, yeah. or whatever it was, or sentimental value. So they wanted to keep this or keep that. So it's a consultation. So my dad's with them, and you know he's got a bit of paper. He's drawing the possibilities. He knows how jewelry works. He knows what a gallery. You know he knows how to get light into a stone. He knows he knows what stones go with which stones. He knows what stock of other stones he's got, which he could add to it. So you know it's a creative process. So. So I wouldn't say my dad was was uh, not artistic, but at the same time, he never went... I don't remember him going to see any art exhibitions. No. Um, fine art was definitely something that, that was a shocker for, for my parents. You know, it was, it was... It was... I was already on a degree course, and they were still wondering when I was going to stop... And get a job. <laughs> so where did your, um, <laughs> where, where did art get infused into you? I I don't yeah. So so when where, my thing with art was I I didn't realise how much I enjoyed it. I mean, I friends would come over if it's raining. I'd say, oh, let's go inside and do some drawing. And and then my friends like at some point would kind of apparently so I'm told. They'd appear downstairs, and uh, and I wasn't looking after them. Mm. I was just sitting there doing my drawings. <laughs> so obviously, I was onto something, or I was into something. Um, but I think I was just a dreamer. I was just a massive dreamer, and you know, you know, I was always being told that you know, if my head wasn't screwed on, I'd have lost it. And um, yeah, I think that there, there was something there. The reason why I ended up at going on foundation course was partly because I did really badly in my exams and ended up like only having an art A level and 13... I had an art A level and 13 O levels. So I have, like, mm-hmm. I've been in, like I've been in Southside. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense. But basically what happened was like the first time I sat my O levels, I didn't get whatever it was I didn't get it English or maths you know I got a, I got a, I got two D's or something I basically at age 15 I rebelled I think and and uh, refused really to do any work so so that then left me 
further down the line with an art A level and 13 O levels and and actually applying to an art as a foundation course because obviously I had I had the grade to do that um, and I was interested but I think for me it was really like oh I'll just go and try and find out what you know what what I make of this and in actual fact like I think the end of the second or the when I first started I was like oh, wow, what is this place? Who are these people? Like, I just don't get this at all. I'm not enjoying this. This is like eating horrible food, you know, that, I, that I'm not used to. But actually, like, by the end of the first, second week even, yeah. I'm starting to think, oh, actually, do you know what? This is actually more my kind of thing than, than what's going on there, than what I had before. So there was a bit of a sea change, even on foundation. In actual fact, like, by the time I finished my foundation, I... I you know, I, I'm now, I'm totally converted to the idea that, like, I don't think that people should do, like, national service. I think everyone should get a chance to do an art foundation. Mm-hmm. And I think what that does is it just, it, people don't have enough space to think about how they think or what they think yeah. or, or what they like. And, and I think that, for me, art is very much the possibility of of, of somehow coming to terms with being a person, coming to terms with culture, coming to terms with how much of you is you and how much of you is 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 kind of received, yeah. is given to you. Well, that's why I go and do workshops in prisons, because it changed my life 180 degrees. Um, I'm so much of a different person to what I was. Yeah. And that is all down to art, because you've got a sort of, you can't look at the world without looking at yourself. And I wasn't a nice person, and I was living in a world that weren't a nice place. And then when you guys came along, or rather when I sort of pushed myself onto you guys, and you were sort of sending me stuff back in, and Angus Fairhurst... And when you say you guys, you're talking about, like, you came across the Sensation catalogue catalog yeah. when you were in, inside, and, and you just went through it, and you, and you actually just said, I, this is something in here is interesting No, me. no, completely, not even that. Okay. It was, what the fuck is all of this sort of art? Oh, yeah. There's a... The letter you sent me, though, wasn't, it didn't sound like that, though. It did, no. You've definitely hidden that. Because I've been converted element. by the time oh, I wrote okay. the letter. Okay. But I would say, um, uh, Damien Hurst, for instance, there's a, you know, he's cut a cow in half. Yeah. There's a bloke on D-Wing in for similar. Yeah. You know, he yeah. can do that. Yeah. Um, the only other person on there was Tracy Emin with a temp. Yeah. Um, Marcus Harvey was in the papers at the time with a Myra. Of course. That was the only three I knew. I, n- I never knew you. I never knew Sarah Lucas, Mark Wallinger, n- none, none of you guys, other than the three that was in the, in the papers. Mm-hmm. And it was Mona Hatoum's artwork that was being used. It was a, a postcard mm-hmm. that the tutor who gave me the Sensations catalogue to look at, she was using it as a... Um, a bookmark. Okay. And it was Mona Hatoum's No Way 2, which is the colander with nuts and bolts in it. Do you remember it? Yes, yes. And it's meant to be a dome over her homeland. She can't get back, her family can't get out, and nuts and bolts are filling the exits. Okay. And I've looked at it and I'm like, fucking hell, I get it. I, right. I get what okay. all of this is. It was a way in. And then it sort of turned the key. Interesting. And like when there was no way in on in, the colander. Ironically. That gave you a way in. in. Exactly. Then I thought, well, she's the opposite to me. I'm inside, can't get out. Yeah. She's outside, can't get in. The best thing I ever done was I went back through the catalogue and there was a little description of each artwork in there. And then I'd look at it and it only gave me a little snippet. And then I'd go, fucking hell, yeah, I'll get it now. Yeah. Oh, I see where they're coming from. I was just looking at yeah. the artwork as yeah. an artwork, yeah. not the idea. And obviously, conceptual art is all about the concept. Yeah, and, and also, but also there's a lot of space in there as well. Like, I mean, I think one of the great things that you're, what you've just said and where it's brilliant is that through these tiny little words, they weren't enough to tell you what it was, but they were enough to tell you that you didn't know what it was when you just looked at the picture. And straightforwardly, it said to you, there's something here which, which you might not get straight off the bat. You might not be able to get it straight away. Well, I was putting everything and down so, in monetary forms right. because Mona had turned on. I'd go, this is a colander yeah. and a bag of nuts and bolts. Yeah. That's a trip to B&Q and a £10 note. That isn't fucking art. Yeah. 
But then when I realised the gravity of what she'd put into that artwork, yeah. I was going, how could she say all of that with a trip to B&Q and a £10 note? Right, yeah, and that's what amazed me. And then when I was looking at all of your work again, that it was that sort of clouds parting and the sun shining through, you know. And it was only a couple of months previous when I thought, well, I've, I've found something I like, art, discovered I'm okay at it, and I know that within this like first month of doing this art course, I've progressed a lot. I had five and a half years left. I was good at something that didn't involve fucking crime, Gavin, you know. <laughs> that was, it was me doing it, you know, and there, was, there wasn't a fucking victim or anything, you know. Mm. I thought, I want to be part of this, so I just I, I wrote a begging letter to 32 artists, and, and luckily at the time, everyone was part of maybe eight galleries, mm. um, possibly. Mm-hmm. So I'd just send a letter to these artists via the gallery. Mm -hmm. And out of 32 letters, I got 28 replies. Mm. It sort of says something about that world that I'm now a part of. Mm. Because there was no judgment there. They was just trying to help a guy. But it is a great story as well. Because all too often, and sometimes, you know, from the inside of the art world, you think to yourself, God, the art world's so up itself. You know, it's like, God, like I just sometimes I can't cope. You know, sometimes it just feels like, like people aren't listening. People, people are kind of, they're not interested in the right things, or you know, they're getting the wrong messages across. Or duh. there's all sorts of things where you think to yourself, oh no, you know, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the art world. Yeah. But but hearing stories like that, like suddenly you go, actually, yeah, I might be stuck in the art world, but actually. It's not a bad place to be stuck. Yeah, You've got to be yeah. stuck somewhere. Well, especially when I was stuck um, well, from where I was stuck, for sure. <laughs> and the thing is, Gavin, at the time, I wanted a change. I wanted a change to be a different person. I was only in the art class to get into the computer class, to jump the queue for the yeah. computer class. Yeah. The first one, the first letter I got was Sarah Lucas and Angus Fairhurst combined, because uh-huh. they was together at the time. Correct. And Sarah wrote me a letter, and there was a little note from Gavin in... in Angus. From, sorry, from Angus yes. in his catalogue. And um, Angus said, like, the art world's changing. We need people like you in the art world. Mm. And then from him saying that, I was looking for this new world to be a part of because I didn't want the crime world. And I was being invited by you guys without actually saying it, or I was feeling that I could be accepted into this new world and knowing that I had to sort of make my way onto the first rung of the ladder when I get out, but knowing that I could be, I, I could be accepted in it. And if I could be accepted by you guys, anyone else in between you guys who were at the time near the top and me very much at the bottom, I wasn't even on the first rung, I was holding the ladder for everyone else on it. <laughs> that sort of gave me the okay to say like, I can be a part of this because then one's up, up there said, you know, which would quell anyone in between telling me I'm not. Well, I went into, I went into Brixton and, and went into the art class there and did a little... I, bought, I took some little bronzes, a little bronze apple core, yeah. painted apple core, bronze painted to look like an apple core, and I took that in and took a couple of other little things in there, a match, painted matchbox and stuff, and showed them and just sort of talked about what I did as art. And, and uh, it was so interesting. Like, everybody's like such honest and just like open responses to to everything they were thinking about i mean and as you say some of them and they were very clear about it were hiding out in the art room because they wanted to get away from people taking spice and they wanted to get away from some serious shit that was going on around the corner which they just didn't want a part of i mean the art class was weird as well because in actual fact they they weren't really allowed to do it what it was, was the computers, and the computers is so weird, because you, you've got a room full of computers because it's referred to as design, because design is vocational, whereas with art, it wasn't seen as vocational, so they couldn't really have an art class, but they can have a design class. Yeah. So they've got these computers in there, so it's a room full of computers. And then, obviously, they're not allowed to go on the web, so it's like shit you've got loads of computers and they're not allowed to connect up to the web so they can use photoshop but they can't they kind of they can have to scan in a picture that they find in a magazine and then they can detour that it's just like i'm like 
oh my god guys this is so hard this is such a hard place to do art you know really unless we go back to those really kind of boring things and say well let's do a picture of some fruit in a bowl and and it's so weird because it's like art as well now is it's so you know as you were saying like like you you've realized and you realized that art wasn't just like case of crafting like a picture it was actually about having the ability to conceptualize and understand that there's a series of thinking and processes that happen before you see before you wait before you pick up a canvas you've already it's already a conceptual thing to pick up the canvas there's already a load of thought that's gone into it there's already a kind of predestiny to the activity and that art history and all that stuff is all in there already um and all we had in the library was there was probably maybe a dozen books on art really? but it would be a couple of the old masters it would be Ralph Harris's cartoon time which which, which yeah, ironically <laughs> and, and I think, don't mention the role I think I may have even put that in the in the letter as a, like a little joke but that was all we had and then I'm getting your sort of artwork coming through which I yet don't understand and I've got to sort of read everything that you guys were sending me to try and understand what it is I was seeing and liking but it had already got me by that point and I saw the benefits of me being into this artwork it was helping people on my peripheral as well they're all coming and going oh what's this and I'm telling them about it mm. as I say it just changed changed my life no matter what anyone thinks of me now there's a massive void between this me and the old me yeah I, I can't can't thank you enough and, but no I think it's brilliant <laughs> what piece that you've created Gavin do you think has got the strongest emotional connection oh I don't know I always start with I don't know don't I That's that, I'm hearing that I'm hearing myself do that um each piece, when you think about an art work piece, individual thing, they all are connected somehow to everything else. There's a kind of, there's a point where it's always, when we say like a piece of work, it's always a bit partial. It's always, it's always kind of part of a body of work. Um, and also, well, I think probably is made to fix problems that maybe you may that you set up with and making a work for mm. like you, you kind of or you're solving problems by making a piece of the work but at the same time of solving them you're creating some more problems and yeah. then and then you're having to solve those problems so they're all they're all kind of interrelated I mean there's definitely and I'm haunted by it um, the the sort of infamous degree show that piece that I did which was a blue plaque on, on the wall and obviously famously I didn't get my degree for putting this work up there and um it wasn't my intention in any way i mean there there was a lot of kind of things going on in the background where justin stevens who was the rector of the royal college was just about to become head of english heritage and english heritage award these plaques but no one at the royal college knew about it and he was really paranoid and thought that i'd found out something about him (laughs) And so that, and so that was a backstory. No, I, well, we found that out a few years later when he hopped and jumped into English Heritage. And we were like, hang on a minute. I just basically lucked in there, really. And uh, it was interesting because, for me, one of the things about art is that normally you can't really go wrong. Or you can't ever get a sense that you've gone <laughs> wrong. No one's going to really tell you. Um, that you, you're, you're people aren't going to tell you that you've gone wrong. I mean, that's why I love that film, you know, The Rebel, Tony Hancock yeah. film, The Rebel. You know, this brilliant thing where he, he, you know, makes this kind of sculpture on the boat of this of this uh, wealthy guy's daughter, and they rip the cover off it, and everyone goes, <gasps> and they're horrified, and they literally hold their hands up to their mouths in in sort of like shock and horror, and and I, it's sort of like. It's just so good because that just just doesn't ever happen, you know. Like, you know, it's it's uh, it's such a wonderful kind of thing that you kind of feel would happen, but yeah. it never actually happens. It's just 
It's just too good in that respect. So, so, so it's hard to know the edges. So, so, so one of the things about like failing is that is that there's this sense that it was unacceptable. Now, we've uh, you know I've discussed earlier the reasons why it was unacceptable because of Justin Stevens, but it, I didn't know that. All I was told was unacceptable art, and um, you know, and, and obviously, if we look at music bands that have their records banned. Band, music band. Hang on, uh, that always works well. You know, Frankie goes to Hollywood, course, or yeah. you know, whatever it is. If it, if it, or or a film that's banned, like Clockwork Orange, or you know, anything that gets banned or is is just too much or unacceptable, probably will live a lot longer than other yeah. things that don't get banned, um, which probably should have got banned, but they don't get banned. And and I think there's also that that point that. The sort of for me the the learning as well was this this thing about converting energy. So here was this situation which which I didn't want to happen, but it happened. And then in order to go forwards, I had to really convert that. I had to take that negative story and I had to turn that into a positive story. I I did my. You know, but I did my O level, my A level, A, I got O level A, A level A. I got like a first with distinction for my degree, uh, a commendation thing, and then and then I got a fail at the last hurdle. You yeah. know, the MA. You know, and um, yeah, I was like, whoa, what's this then? Um, but I, I felt like I'd made the work I wanted to make. And so they could have fought me on the fact that I'd done what I wanted to do. I, I mean, so I did get a lot of support as well. I mean, I, I got I got in, you know, I got some small little features in the newspapers. I got in like this brand new magazine that was coming out, Freeze, in the pilot issue, and and I got in some other magazines, and and lots of people kind of got energised by the whole story. The Time Out review of the degree show like mentioned me and I got a lot of attention. And obviously that is an interesting thing with art as well. Yeah. It's like if you give art attention, that's really all it wants. You know, the, I mean, faint praise is the worst. It's like, mm, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the worst. So, so, you know, in that sense, it was very dynamic. There was stuff that was very dynamic. And so... As far as an education goes, it, it's really dynamic. If we talk about emotional as well, as your question asked for something emotional, yeah. I haven't answered the emotional bit, but then at the same time, there's something I want to say about emotional, which I don't know if it's quite the same, but I definitely feel... Well, I think when my art is at its best, there's always... A small element of of what I consider to be like embarrassment. I feel slight sense of embarrassment, and I think that's probably because I'm revealing something yeah. which I feel awkward about. And it's probably a truth, a self truth, something that I don't quite and haven't quite understood or got to the bottom of, which I'm exposing. Um, maybe it's a naivety. I don't know, but I think that that the work that has has had the most kind of um, somehow importance is, is almost like that work that has that little element of embarrassment yeah. and that's something I can't it's always like something I can't quite can't quite explain it any more than that and, and, and if that's emotional because I think when I, th- I think when I listen to the word emotional I hear something about a sort of um, s- yeah something you can't quite explain like a, a, a it's hard to put them into words isn't it yeah. it's just like oh, m- being moved like the idea of being moved. Could you have given up art when they when you got? No, 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 not at all. No, no. I, I was. You I was, was on the. I was into. Was I was on it. I was on. I was somewhere. Yeah, I was going. For a I was bit. going somewhere. Definitely. I mean, some stuff got picked up and happened pretty yeah. quickly after that. So I didn't really have enough time to to actually like sit down and go. Oh no, I've I've failed this course now. I've got to give up and do something else. They would have failed you on a whim, though, would they? They would. Have, it would have taken a lot of consideration. By a few people to sign that off that you weren't getting your degree. Yeah, but then Justin Stevens was very powerful. Like he's, he was like a 
like a massive kid who had threw his toys out the pram. He threatened everyone with, with firing them. He, he literally said, oh, do you want to keep your jobs? It would have, you're right, it would have had to have had a unanimous decision from all the people on the board, on that panel, yeah. in order to fail me. There was, I think there was nine people or, so, or seven, no, seven people in this, what was referred to as ABCD commission. The ABCD commission, seven people. I'd been round and personally spoken to four of them who said, don't worry, Gavin, you've got my vote. So I already knew that I wasn't going to fail. Yeah. And then I got a thing saying you failed. And then only much later on did I find out that obviously, like the extent that Justice Stevens bullied people in the room. And did he get offered to you since? No, no, although I did get... Though, um, I have spoken to, your degree, I have spoken I mean. to a posthumous degree. Well, I've spoken to, to, to post uh, uh, Stephen's rectors of Royal College. I was in 175 years of, of art at the Royal College of Art. Was, my plaque was actually in that show. I think a plastic version of the plaque is hanging in the senior common room. Brilliant. I mean... You know, my slides are... In fact, this was the thing where, where it happened. was like, I was in the slide library and then the person who was working in the slide library got a phone call from the head, build, head main building and said to me suddenly like, oh, Gavin, I think you've got to go to the sculpture department now. I'm saying, how do you know that? He said, well, I just had a phone call to say that I've got to take your slides out of the slide library. Um, and I'm like, hang on a minute. They don't know I'm in the slide library. She's just got a phone call, like, totally randomly, that the first point of this, this process is to take the student slides out of the slide library. Shit. I should have said to them, right, you're never going to be able to put any of my slides back in the slide library, you know? But it's fucking weird. I mean, actually, the slide library does have lots of nice slides in it. But isn't it a good story? It's, it's, a it's a great story. story. and It's a great story. And actually, like, that, that was another thing that I really learned a lot about... You know, with art, if you can have a story, and it doesn't necessarily need to be that art, you know, that arty. Sorry about this, everybody who's really into the arty story. Arty stories are important, and I tell them all the time. But just a story story is really good. If it's something where, you know, oh, and this guy did this thing and then he failed his degree, people get that. It's very, it's it very communicative. Very communicative. It? It's very easy for people to get. They kind of go, "All right, I, I, I hear what you're saying." You know, it may be that they're not interested in the Royal College of Art, maybe not interested in degrees in art and art. You know, it, you know, and and the whole question of our education is weird anyway. Yeah. I mean, what is a degree show? I mean, like, how do they mark it? I mean, who's marking it? What, what is the system they're using? Like, I passed my course. It was just simply. The degree show. So it's like, like, how actually is it possible to fail a degree yes, show? Yes, yes. I showed up, I put some stuff on the wall, I failed. What? That's yeah. impossible. It's, it's impossible. And it doesn't make sense. You know, can you actually teach people art? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is the other thing as well. I think you teach people open-mindedness. You teach people like, like mechanisms and ways that they can think or that they can find ways of thinking. You, you help them to, to expand their minds, to, to open their their possibilities to, to new ways of thinking. This is what you did. It's exactly what you did. You, you found a space in yourself where you went, oh, I can actually see the world in a different way, you know, and suddenly your horizons were expanded. You transformed. Yeah. And then you had loads of possibilities that weren't there before because you were closed. You were closed mind and you just had one way of looking at things. Suddenly you realised, oh, you, you go through a door and suddenly you go, oh my God, there's a whole new world out here. Yeah. I had no idea. You know, it's just that little shift. And you can, you can go some way to saying to people, you know what, mate? There's a different way of doing this, a different way of seeing this. There's a different, you know, there's, a, there's another way. You can tell these stories. You, you can sort of coax people and lead people into places where they unexpectedly... <laughs> have turned that corner and you know they're seeing the world in a new way but I, I do see myself in a gallery sometimes and I go how the fuck did I get here yeah. but, but you, uh, you've come a long way I, I feel like yeah. it I feel like it yeah. one of your artworks is one of the few that has properly taken my breath away and it was one of the sleeping bags the, the bronze sleeping bags that you created. When, when Sarti was at the GLC building, mm. you had your black skip in the foyer, mm. but you had a, a, a sleeping bag in one of the entrances. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've always worked with the homeless. Yeah. And had a sort of affinity with, with the homeless and marginalised. And I, when I first walked in, I see someone sleeping in the in the GLC building entrance. Yeah. And I thought, fucking good luck on him. Yeah. And uh, I, see he was, I see he was sleeping. And then when I went over to him, the security guy sort of stepped forward. Then I see a plaque next to it. Right. He went, don't touch. And I just went, and just knocked it with my knuckle. And I was like, fucking brilliant. And even before I knew it was yours, I knew it was yours, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it probably took because it used away. to be the place where you'd go and pick up your your check. You'd go and pick up the grant, your grants okay. and stuff like that yeah. from from that building. So it was quite weird. I mean, also there was a there was a new, there was a news story where Sarchi and landlord had to fight or something about the rent or I don't know what it was, but then there was a picture in the newspaper of the sleeping bag. Uh, and and I think that the landlord in the story had kicked the sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was really bad on lots of levels. It was bad on the level of like, like don't kick sculptures, but also don't get kick like effigies of people who were sleeping yeah. on the street either. Yeah. You know, like it was. So the landlord was being portrayed in this really kind of evil, evil way. The evil landlord. But obviously, then you know, Charles Sarchi is not the—he's not either the hard done by, is he? The hard done by no. poor old, poor old Charles <laughs> yeah, Sarchi. I don't think anyone's ever said that. Um, but um, no, I, I, the sleeping bag piece was really hard to—it was hard to deliver that work. I mean, I—I've I, made—I've actually made a series of them, different coloured bags. But the first time I made it, I actually ended up putting it on the street outside my studio for a day and then watching it just watching people go by and watching it on the street and it was very late on in the day when it got discovered to be a sculpture but it had also received like peanuts and and little bits of coins of money and and so it had little bits of food and money people have been putting that down and, and walking by um so in a way like people were actually like donating yeah. to it as a kind of almost like a shrine or something. But there, there was something interesting about the this thing about visibility and the ability to 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 look at a figure in a sleeping bag, sleeping rough on the street. Because obviously, when you see that thing, you kind of make it real. 
It, it exists when you see it. And so when you make it real and it exists, you've made it real by seeing it and therefore some responsibility for the fact that it's there you, you've now incorporated. You've now mm-hmm. taken on that. You've taken on a responsibility for that homeless person yeah. by realising that they're there in that way. And then there's also that curious thing of like, that's coupled together with people are absolutely um, obsessed by domestic, private, people's private lives. You know, like they can't get enough, like celebrity magazines looking in people's bedrooms uh, like looking at their private collection of this, that, and the other knickknacks. Uh, looking at their dogs and and you know the way their lifestyle, yeah, yeah. lifestyle is so important for people. They're obsessed with it. You know, watch telly programs like reality TV. You know, so in some ways, like a figure in a sleeping bag. This is this guy. This is his life. This is wow. You know, so there's a human attachment to wanting to look at this thing, mm. to wanting to stare, wanting to see like someone's private life as well so there's this kind of awkward relationship between not wanting it to to exist and wanting to walk by and sort of so it's not something you see and there's something you really want to see because you're actually obsessed with looking at it's still hard to be challenged by having an artwork put in front of you which is in that place of this is art therefore you look at this thing and that's how you come to an understanding of that thing but this is one of those objects that you don't normally look at so you're now being allowed to look at something you don't normally look at but then in a way it it's actually not really about i mean obviously there's the formal like as you said you you tap it or you touch it and then suddenly boom the the materiality becomes like blindingly clear mm. and you see it for what it is in terms of a crafted lump of bronze and me- you know paint and stuff so it's a well crafted object so you can understand look and see the craft in it but over and above that the reality of what it is and how it functions as a, a figure in space as a figure in society as a figure in 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 uh, in our world is that it it starts to challenge you in terms of like what's inside, what's outside, what what's what's your home. As you said, like the margins, it starts to it starts to question your relationship to the margins, and, or or it starts to look at the way that we understand who we are. It's a very uh, metaphysical and 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 uh, it's one of those things for me. It questions like our reality. It's a sort of reality check, yeah. and so it happens on a physical level, but it also happens on an intellectual um, and sort of, you know, it happens in a philosophical place as well. well. I like the idea that your artwork, when people are walking down Tottenham Court Road on a Sunday evening, it's pissing down the rain. They see your sleeping bag in the doorway. Mm. They'll think of you first, which makes them look at it. Then you've made them aware of homeless people. Now you know is the way I see. I it. hope so. I mean, I've, I mean, it seems it seems like totally twisted and and weird to 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 look at a homeless person and think of an artwork. No. But also looking is a weird one because my I've got a little quite an interesting little story about a guy. I remember Cambridge Circus. I I, I this was a few years ago now, I, and it was a it was a it's like a cold day. And but the sun was out, and it was shining sort of like down near where that limelight. There used to be yeah, this club, yeah. the Limelight yeah, the Club. Church. Yeah, church. So it was just under there. They were doing some works. It was sort of like there was a scaffolding or something. There was a guy sitting there underneath, and he was he had this nosebleed. And then there was a policewoman who was leaning over, leaning over him, sort of asking him something. I was talking to him. And there's this nosebleed, and the blood was was sort of like all steaming like that. And she had little bits of high vis and stuff, and like her outfit, and and he was kind of like sort of dishevelled and bleeding with like really tatty hair and and like and like brown, like wrinkly skin. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh wow, it's such like an amazing kind of baroque painting or something. Yeah, I, when I looked yeah. at it, I saw this. But I was like, God, if I had a camera now, that's amazing. Like, I've sort of this is this is a gallery, you know. If I'd have set this up, it's amazing. Like, and then I and I kind of 
I walked past the whole thing, had my back to the whole thing. I was, you know, still sort of buzzing with the whole vision of it all. And then, vroom, I got caught the whiff, the smell of the guy's blood and mixed with a bit of urine and sweat. And I was like, oh, and I was nearly sick. Like, I was nearly sick. And it was, and the sickness was not only because I was sort of, I felt like, oh, I was mixing all my smells with his, you know, I was basically, we were conjoined. (laughs) But it it was also because I suddenly got hit with the reality of it. Like, when it was there and I was just looking, I could see the whole thing objectively somehow, or I turned the whole thing into art. I turned it all into like yeah, subjective yeah, yeah. vision. Whereas when I had my back to it and I, and and like I, I then got the smell of it, like I was in a different space. I was I was um, you know I, at that point then I was I was it was sub, it was purely subjective. I couldn't be objective about it at all. I was like right in there. I was joining this you know my body and this yeah. this thing. So it, 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 sometimes you get that thing with 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 art where you you do get that critical uh, uh objective space to to look at things out there in a kind of in a in an objective world. And I think that's you know and that is useful as well. It yeah. can be it can be useful, but also there's always a subjective element because well. we're always asking people to look at what we're doing but look at it from this angle, you know, look at it from that angle. But with a lot of your work, you're including the person in that. Look at this person from, from the offset. That has got me, you know, that's why when I have a little bit of that creative block, I'll always put in to, you know, to, to Google or something to get myself going, you, Sarah, um, or Mark Wallinger, use free, sort of get it, whatever it is. I, I have no idea what it is. But maybe it stems back from when you first sent me the stuff and it all connected. But whatever way, when I'm a bit dry for ideas, putting in them three names gets me back. And it was... Do you remember, did you see the skip I'd done last year next to Dion's? Oh. The prison cell? No. Sleeping bag and the effect that it had on me yeah. is what I was trying to portray with my skip. Okay. Which was... And then I looked up the size of a skip... One of them was 1,800 by 3.5 metres. Mm-hmm. And it had an area space of 6.3 metres altogether. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll have a look at the prison cell and found that a prison cell was 1,800 by 3.5 metres, the Victorian prison cell. And there was a diagram of it. This is on a government website. Okay. Exactly the same size as a skip. Okay. But in the end, I just recreated the diagram of the government diagram and laid it on the top of the skip. Right. So that in the hope that people would look at the skip like they would look at your sleeping bag and say, fucking hell, we put two adults in this. Mm. This is what we house two adults in. In this society, it's built for one, but we put two people in it. And it's a skip, so I called it domestic waste. Right. And um, then I thought, I see how much space animals need. The first one I come to was um, dogs. Mm-hmm. And if dogs are being held for procedure, a dog weighing 35 kilos and above has to have eight square metres. Mm. But we put two adults <laughs> in 6.3. Whenever I walk past a sleeping bag now, I think Gavin Turk. <laughs> and a bin bag, and you know, a black bin bag. And that's what I wanted people to do. I wanted people to look at the skip when they're walking down their street yeah. and go, fucking hell, we house two people in one of those. So even that stemmed from you as well. Well, the idea stemmed <laughs> from you. You've got yeah. me so... like, I'm, It's a very good idea. I like the idea of looking at the skip in terms of its, its dimension. Just so I can show you how close it is to Dion's. <laughs> Dion was on here the other week. On this podcast? On, uh, yeah. Okay. How did he do? Good. He's went down really well. He's very good. I love Dion. Is that actually how... Is that how big your cell was? No. Uh, the Victorian that, That's cell. a Victorian one. But there's, there's dozens of them Victorian... Dozens. There's thousands of them Victorian that ones. still go. That's the, the feeling I was trying to go for. You know, I wasn't trying to relate it back to your... Um... No, but I think that's... I think that is... It, 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 there's something quite interesting and quite kind of penetrating about the idea that that when you look at something in a 
open brackets, real world, close brackets, that you you then relate that thing back to when it's in its open brackets, imaginary, close brackets world. Like I get sent things like photographs in the middle of the night, like like of a bag of rubbish. And someone said, I saw this last night. It really reminded me of you. I'm like, brilliant. Like, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm sure you've probably had a few drinks. When I was in, I was in Maddox Gallery, in between the lockdowns, so the cleaner had just bought three bin bags up from downstairs right. and put them upstairs to take out. I went to the woman, how much are the Gavin Turks? You know, just as a little sort of funny, expecting her to chuckle, you know. But um, she went, hang on, actually, bin bags. Oh, bags. they're actually bin <laughs> And I went, oh, no, sorry, silly me. I know, there was a, there's a wonderful story about, because <clears throat> um, I have a work, a bin bag work that's in um, the new art gallery, Walsall. And, and they had it downstairs for a while, um, in the downstairs area. And at Christmas, they put a tree, they put a Christmas tree up in the downstairs space um, beside where the, the desk is and there was a woman there was a woman standing staring at the Christmas tree for ages and the woman behind the desk said look are you alright can I help you and she said um, is this just a Christmas tree like that and the woman said yeah it's just a Christmas tree she said oh that's lucky because I thought it was a Gavin Turk <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly what was nice about that is that is that because people kind of see something they didn't expect to find there's a bronze sculpture painted it makes them question everything yeah. suddenly everything around them in an art gallery is potentially an artwork and I I love the idea that that not only do we have it in the real world like where people see a bin bag and uh, and they and they think of me but but that maybe some of the artwork in the gallery means that other things in the gallery, like you have to question them as to whether they are real or whether they're not. And, and I, that shift in, in like what you're looking at and how you're looking at it. And also, it, you know, one of the things for me is, is the idea that audiencing an artwork is in itself perhaps part of a performance mm. so if I would go into an art gallery and I see someone bending down looking at a bin bag like yeah we've got a sculpture which is a bin bag but what I'm looking at is a performance artwork where someone is standing leaning looking at a cardboard box or looking at a bin bag and that for me is like oh we're in a different place here now yeah. like the laws of, of what to look at and how to look are all different here and I think that's part of the fun, I think. In, but that in, woman with a Christmas in, tree has asked herself the fundamental question, is this art? Yes. And that's, that's, you know, that's what, yes. what everyone's trying to sort of answer or, or tell that same thing, isn't it? Yes. Can we talk of your spirit of painting at the Coronet Theatre? Yes. I got asked to do a, a commission right at the top of the building. There's a, there's a domed roof, and on the roof... Historically, and in the architectural plans, it was a design to have a figurative sculpture on the roof there. Oh. I think there was a figure on the roof yeah. at one point. When, when, the, when the building was first opened, there was a figure on the roof. I believe that it was a figure of Hermes. So there was already this, this prospect of a figure on the roof. Now, my first idea was actually to make a giant stepladder a bronze stepladder and have that straddling the roof like with this idea that then you, there were some steps up to the sky and you know it's like someone changing the light bulb or decorating the sky or something and I I kind of I made some like just models and I showed it to the Ander the, Winter the the, the, um, the director of the coronet and um, she said she said oh that looks good and you know she was kind of Warm, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, and I, I was like, oh. and then and then I was kind of like, oh, yeah, and then I kind of thought a bit more, and then I kind of, it, it's a very hard space. It's very far, you know. It's very far up, very far away, and um, and then I started thinking about the idea of some gestural figure, some figure sort of. Uh, um, maybe like a like posing somehow on the roof and then I 
found myself drifting to the courtyard outside the Royal Academy um, where there's like this much too high up but high up sculpture of Sir Joshua Reynolds and here's this guy who who kind of it's actually I think the sculpture's made in the 1920s do you think he's placed that high through steam I don't know why he's, he's, you're right he's just a bit too high it's a bit too, too high low. Or, 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 or Nelson's column. Yeah, it's, it's too low to be high and sort of too high to be uh, Yeah, I mean, in that courtyard as well, it is curiously high Yeah, in that courtyard. But anyway, I think there was something about this idea of a sculpture, of a painter, um, at, at this sort of sculpted celebration of the painter. And then, and then obviously I've got this whole succession of... of of artworks where I'm either pointing, I'm pointing a gun, I'm pointing, I'm kind of, I'm falling back. But I, there's always this one hand pointing and the other hand is kind of down to the side or doing something. And um, I just sort of thought, do you know what? Maybe I should do a sculpture of this, of me as this, as Joshua Reynolds. And stick that on the roof, and um, and I then proposed that, and she said, "Oh, yeah, that sounds good." Um, <laughs> and uh, by that stage, I think I was like, "Yeah, do you know what? I'm just going to do that." So, um, so I just did it. And was it not, was it your head on his body, or was no, it you? No. So, so it's it it's me sort of wearing a. a, a, a Overalls yeah. and and I, but I've got my I've sort of got my shoes boots on, and I've got a beret on. So he's like Joshua Reynolds has got a wig on and he's got this kind of dress coat, sort coat, of long yeah. frock coat type thing. In in a strange way, the character on the roof that my character looks much more like some sort of strange socialist um, <laughs> kind of like leader or some yeah. some sort of. Um, that it definitely doesn't look like a, a kind of conservative thing. I think it's, it's interesting to have this attempt to think about the idea of the, you know, the slightly larger-than-life figurative sculpture in a period where, where lots of sculptures of of middle-aged white guys are being checked and maybe taken down yeah. um, because they don't sort of past the, the the sort of ethics committee yeah um and i i suppose i'm i suppose i was kind of playing with that idea of inside and outside but but then also just the sculpture is sort of too far away yeah it's too sort of too far away really to see that much so all it is is kind of like attitude and it, all it is in a funny sort of way is is like the sculpture of a figure painting a bit like the you know Tony Hancock and the Rebel. It's it it's a bit like it is permanent, yeah. Um, but it it is very much like a kind of um, like like a sort of just an attitude, but a kind of ridiculous, slightly yeah. ridiculous attitude, like kind of and like the original is a bit too far out of reach. Yeah, it's too far. It, it, you know, you the only place you can see it is you have to go back down the road to look up. I mean, when you're actually at the door, you can't see it at yeah. all. So you have to be back down the road. If it, you could probably only ever see it when you're like a hundred meters away from it. Um, and it now it's interesting enough. It's now home to a seagull. Brilliant. So it, it permanently has a seagull on it. Yeah. So it is, well, now seen, it's got a second sculpture, which I'd is that resident seagull. You standing next to it. And that's why I didn't know whether you were sort of arcing back to previous work where you would place your head on uh, a historic figure. Well, I know, but the thing is I don't, I've never actually just placed my head on a historic figure. I've always used, you know, it's always been me dressing up, and dressing up, in, in kind of form, thing. Yeah. yeah. So it isn't just simply just placing my head on. I mean, it is interesting the idea of of, of the Photoshop. If, if I start this thing in like 1993, obviously they did have Photoshop in 1993, but it wasn't technologically. It was. It wasn't quite so. Now everyone sticks sticks everyone's head. There's actually face swap, you know, yeah, like everyone's got yeah, it on their yeah. phone. You know, it's like everyone's head just gets stuck on everything else. 
and, and you know, like deep fakes now and images can be changed so quickly and easily um, that it, it almost makes no sense to even talk about it. But in actual fact, you know, just to bring bring the conversation back to like not that long ago, <laughs> um, my life. Um, uh, you know, there, there was definitely a time, you know, going back to leaving college even, where it wasn't so straightforward and easy just to swap. Actually, for my, it was the card that accompanied my show. I had a picture of a soldier's head on a Union Jack, and it was the front page of the Sun newspaper. Um, and it said, support our boys, put this flag in your window. And it was a picture that mm-hmm. the Sun ran for that, that people were supposed to put up in their window. And I... And I Rather than the beret worn to one side, I took a picture of me, like with the beret kind of a bit up, and like an artist beret, yeah. um, and stuck that over the top like a collage on top of the other guy's head, um, and and then turned that, photograph that, and turned that into the the card that accompanied the the plaque. In fact, someone said that they met this lady who came to the degree show, and she thought that I'd been killed in the Iraq-Iran war and uh, the, or whatever it was and the, and the other students had had put the plaque up in my memory and, the, and, the, and the, the card was a picture of me yeah. as a soldier a little bit um, of solidarity with their fallen student what the hell oh my god I mean it takes all sorts though doesn't it that's the thing just well, I'll leave it there, mate. Thank you very much. I but think that was lovely. I just think that I think you just. I think what's beautiful about it is you just feel it. You really feel it. Like you really feel the art thing. It's so important for you. It's really like you say. It's changed your life, and it and it. You know, for me, I just drifted into it. So I've never really got that beautiful kind of like oh kind of moment. The Damascus you moment. Do people's artwork. You see some bit of art and, and suddenly you're like, whoa. Probably gets me there. I mean, know. the thing is, well, you see, I, sometimes, uh, I mean, one of the things I like about art is, is where I see something, it catches me, but it may be months or even years later that I go, oh, wow. And one of the great things with art, one of the things I've learned is that you can't always get it straight away. You, you know, it not, might not happen in a predictable way. Yeah. It's unpredictable. For that reason, it's infinitely enjoyable. That, for me, is it's infinitely enjoyable. Hello, I'm Vesalia Chilton, the director of Kensington Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The artist you've just been listening to is part of the Kensington Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The Art Trail starts on the 18th of June and ends on the 31st of August. You can find all the details on our website, kcaw.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, sad off.
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com